Everybody knows you till they don't Some things you can't see when you stand too close When you told me you were thinking of leaving town I guess I always thought I could find you Hello, it's Chuck from Above the Basement, Boston Music and Conversation. I drove out to Western Massachusetts not too long ago to sit on Lisa Bastoni's front porch, surrounded by chickens, a vocal rooster, two small children having an amazing time doing whatever small children feel like doing, a few bees, and the occasional mouse to talk music, songwriting, and life in the time of COVID. Lisa's latest album, How We Want to Live, is a beautiful record that reflects her many life changes over the past few years. Her songs are a musical thank you to her grandmother, who introduced her to the guitar and to songwriting, as well as a message to those in her life. The album reached number one in Contemporary Folk on Roots Music Report, and she was nominated in 2019 for Folk Artist of the Year at the Boston Music Awards, and was also the 2019 Kerrville Folk Festival New Folk winner. Her honest and well-crafted songwriting reflects her own personality. Lisa is a calming presence, thoughtful, and very in the moment. It was appropriate to be surrounded by the wonderful chaos of life, the joyful sounds of her kids, a crowing rooster, and the arrival of the Amazon delivery truck, which she hopes one day will deliver ice cream. So here is our conversation with Lisa Bastoni, recorded on her front porch in Western Massachusetts. All very casual. Okay, you can hear the chickens. I can hear the chickens. <laughs> we have, we have. Um, we usually do this at my sister's restaurant in West Concord, mm-hmm. and you can hear the fan in the background sometimes. The train goes by. Yep. Fire department. We gave up trying to be. Yeah. Like perfectly quiet. We've done this in loud restaurants with like people around us. These are pretty directional, mm-hmm. so they're they're good. Good. Um, yeah, I just came from. Uh, I picked up the t-shirts. You haven't had new t-shirts in a while. Do you mm-hmm. have t-shirts? No. You need to get t-shirts. I know. I've been meaning to for five years. <laughs> It'll happen Well, there's Belchertown. He does it right yeah. down the street. He does, That's great. He does a lot of musicians. So, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> Anything. Uh, um, thanks for coming all the way out here. Oh, no worries. It was actually perfect because there's no tornadoes this time. That's great. Which is nice. Yep. Uh, I knew I had to go to Belchertown to pick pick that stuff up. I didn't have to pay for shipping. Well, I'm so glad it's good. it worked out. And it is a gorgeous. It's perfect day. weather today. It's this so is unbelievable. Nice. It's like fall. Yep. This is my type of weather. Yeah. It's I'm, pretty great. You know, I think I remember meeting you briefly. I think I I pounced at Lizard Lounge. You had just come off oh. the stage, and I introduced oh, myself yeah. to you. Oh yeah, that's right. It was dark and yep. scary. So yeah. I oh, I miss the Lizard Lounge so much. <laughs> I know. Everybody does. Yep. You don't realize what you're missing until it's gone, right? Yep. There's the rooster. Yeah. When was the last time you actually played 
live in a, in a venue? Oh, the last time was at the Iron Horse here oh, yeah, in Northampton. Yeah, okay. um, I was opening for Katie Curtis, and I remember we were sitting in the green room. I guess it was after the show, and uh, we hugged each other goodbye, and I remember very clearly the moment when she said, uh, is this the last time, like, hugging is going to be a thing? <laughs> and that, so this you know, was we in March this. or something? This was March 8th or 9th. Yeah. It was that Sunday before everything really shut it down. Was. It and was. It was last hug. That was the last, the last sort of... And even then, I remember thinking, I had some friends there that night, and we were a little bit... Like, is it okay if we hug each other? Is it okay to be here? There was already that feeling, like, kind of creeping in, like, this is going to be winding down for a bit, I yeah. think. Um, it's, uh, yeah. it's been so weird. It's so weird. I mean, yeah. I guess that's now everyone's getting used to it now. Yeah. Well, I love, like, there's nothing that I really love about all of this, no. but I have noticed, like, every conversation that I've had, like, you have to have, like, just 20 minutes of, like, this is so messed up. Just back and forth, just saying that yeah. to each other. <laughs> it's therapeutic. You gotta. Yeah. You, gotta you have to acknowledge just, it. It's so weird. You still don't know what it's going to be. You know, you had to pull your kids out of school, mm-hmm. and then summer was totally canceled. Did your yeah. kids go to camp or anything oh, like God, that? Oh God, no. My yeah, no. neither did mine. Mine was supposed to work and go to camp, and they didn't. Yep. I feel like it's there's there's a sense of urgency for everybody to do. Mm-hmm something in the fall it's yeah it's gotta we need like a little bit of that back to school feel that sense of hope and like all right we're gonna take care of business now like summer's over we're gonna buy a new notebook (laughs) and start are your kids going back to school they're going back remotely okay um and i think the difference now is i feel better about the remote option just uh in terms of safety but also going back this way like we know what it's going to be so we can kind of mentally prepare for it yeah. um we're lucky like we're ready with our technology that we didn't have in the spring right. i these kids they did not have little kindles or ipads or anything or i finally broke down and bought a chromebook <laughs> like so we're gonna be home but we're gonna be ready for it in a different way like right. the shock of the spring it was just everything all at once and now we have a better sense of what it is, and I yeah. feel like... I'm itching yeah. to play live. Are you yeah. itching to play live? I am. I mean, I've been so focused on just... You can close it. I've just been so focused on parenting yeah. um, that and just survival. Like, it just took my mind way out of music for months, but now I'm starting to feel it come back. Where I'll just pick up the guitar for myself and just play a little bit, and... Um, I I think as we're sort of stabilizing in a weird way, I I do feel the itch to play again. And I have a couple of like backyard private shows coming up oh, that I'm looking forward to. Local? One is in Connecticut and then one is in Massachusetts. Is it just just you? Um, you a guitar? Or you, one you? is with Sean Staples. Okay. And then one is with Monica Rizzio. She's a Cape Cod oh. singer songwriter. Oh, She's cool. Yeah. Connecticut. In Hartford, yes. Oh, not too well, far. Not too far. <laughs> but I, yeah, I haven't well, left the state in all this time. That's, that's good. You know, we're, yeah. we're going to start to do that. We're starting to, uh, I just literally today reached out to a bunch mm-hmm. of local people say, look, I've got a ton of people who want to play live. Yeah. Let's, I think let's the backyard house concert, I think it can be done safely. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think, I think we need it. <laughs> so We need it. And, yeah. I, you know, I just went to one of those drive-in mm-hmm. shows in, in Keene. Oh, who'd you see? I saw a G-Love 
No way. Yeah. Wow. I'll be honest with you. I have no idea. I've heard of him. Yep. And I and I think I remember. I've heard of him because he used to play with Jack Johnson. Oh, okay. Um, and he played a couple of Jack Johnson songs. Oh, well, I know of him because he went to my college. Oh, really? He was a few years ahead of me. Oh. And so it was like the buzz when I first got there was like, Where'd you go to Love school? went to Skidmore College. Skidmore. <laughs> yeah. And um, like we were, we were trying to guess like which dorm did he live in and, we're, you know, all <laughs> that stuff. And that was like, not maybe it was the year that his that big song was out when was when did he have the big hit like 91 must have been like mid 90s mid 90s so i was out of college already so i'm a little older so i try to keep up how was the drive it it was like you got a little speaker in your car or you tune in well you you can you can um, i guess it's through your phone now you you pay it's like 100 bucks for a car load yep they said you can put it on your radio if you Mm -hmm. want but i can't imagine it would line up with what you're seeing yeah but you can hear it fine. It's plenty loud. Oh, that's loud. so great! And what they do is they wow. give you a they give you a car space. Yep. And then the next car space is where you can sit outside. Mm-hmm. So it's car empty, car empty, car empty. Yep. So everyone was just out there, and you know everyone, for the most part, was careful. Yep. That's but we great. just kept to ourselves. We were the oldest people there. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but it was gr- it was yep. great. Again, people are dying for live music. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's the best thing that's going to come out of all this. Just appreciating yeah. things more, yeah. Because we get sure. people who are like, oh, I haven't been to a live, I haven't been to a concert in years. Yeah. And you know these house concerts that you're doing, mm-hmm. and yard concerts, and drive-ins. Or I anticipate a Massachusetts renaissance of music. I could see that. Yeah. Well, there was that Boston Globe article. Did you see that Boston Globe article? I the saw other day? the headline, but I have to admit I didn't read it. It made me too sad. I didn't. Yeah. Really, I well, didn't you really can kind of guess to. what it was about. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of talk about it. And, you know, I think it's not about there's not great musicians. Obviously. I think, I mean, it just strikes, I don't, probably shouldn't say much about it because I didn't actually read it, but I, it's, the music is there they, if if you look for it. And maybe the, whoever wrote the article just didn't take the time to I think he's out. getting a little bit of a bad rap because he doesn't, it's not like he disses the music. Yeah. It's really about where musicians can play yeah. and that they're being forced out. Because the rents are so high, mm-hmm. the musicianship is there. Yeah. Well, the whole economy of music is so crazy right now. I mean, not specifically in this time, but even before this with, like, you don't have CD sales. It's merch. Right. It's touring. It's And not everybody can do that. And I think there was a time when you could put together a tour of college gigs and like colleges had coffee houses then and you could sell CDs and you could kind of scrape by like that. And you're not, if you're trying to do that with Spotify now, like it's just I know, not it's happen. terrible. Did you, and there was a big I saw that about one. that. I read that too. It was that was ridiculous. Yeah. They need to put out more music than just once every three or four so years obnoxious. or something. Yeah. That's so obnoxious. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's such a disconnect from musicians you think someone who runs a music company like that would have an idea of what it's like to be a musician yep well there was an article uh or a story yesterday on npr um maybe you saw it about comparing spotify to Bandcamp. yes i did see and i I just i I would read it if i were you i'm the the guy from Bandcamp just seems like such a, a better just he's coming from such a better place like he just cares about 
the musicians and and just wanted to provide this platform and he compared it to Etsy where they're not really trying to have control over anything they just want to make the space for the artists to share that's right what they do and that's be right. able to make some money plus they've been doing it. Fridays um, is it once a month or is it once a week I, don't I even think know. it's once a month where the artist gets 100 percent yeah I think it's, it's great. great good for band mm-hmm. and I think they I hope that they continue to grow and this the growth might be slower i'm just noticing there are wasps out here so that one's been chilling next this to you for a while here since yesterday <laughs> okay really it's, it's either sleeping or dead but still sticking to the do you want me to uh no it's okay <laughs> he, just, he just took off he's over there's there. another one um i hope that the tide sort of turned towards Bandcamp uh-huh. and away from spotify i'm hopeful and I feel I, hypocritical saying it because I, I, my stuff is on there because I want people. Yeah, to be able I listen to, to it on the way up. I'm a total hypocrite. I want people to be able to find my stuff. I use it for just finding other, other things, and it's it definitely like there's a lot there, and there's there it does provide a certain service. But I'm happy that there's also Bandcamp as a right. Well, what people should do is if they like a song. Find buy it on Spotify, album. but then go buy it on Bandcamp. Buy it on Bandcamp. <laughs> yep. Buy the seed, buy the yep. physical artifact, buy it on Bandcamp, mm-hmm. and then listen to it, your heart's content. As long yep. as the artist gets the initial sell, yeah. then fine. So speaking of coffee shops, did you do that? So you, you were playing, and then you stopped, yeah, before, and then you started playing again. But you, um, were you doing the, the circuit, the college so, circuit? Yeah, I started probably, uh, so I moved to Boston in 99. From where? From, uh, well, I... Graduated from Skidmore. We looked at Skidmore. What? We looked at Skidmore. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. beautiful up yeah, there. Yeah, it's beautiful. I really feel lucky that I had the chance to go there. What was your major there? Um, I majored in art history. Art history. <laughs> yeah. Very good. And after college, I moved to San Francisco for a little bit. And then I was home and working in New York. And then I forget what led to, to this, but I was offered a job in Boston. And so I moved up there. Um, Where? And then... So the job was at an art gallery on Newbury Street. Really? Which yeah. one? The International Poster Gallery. I love the International Poster Gallery. I love that gallery. place. I loved working there. Is it still there. there? I'm pretty sure it's still there. They sold original vintage lithograph Yeah, posters. and like the travel ones, the, the They're so cu- cool. Cunard line. Yeah. Like all those, yep. the ships. I love that place. I loved working there, and I just have such fond memories of like of working there and then going to all the open mics. Like open mics were so big at that time. Like there was one every single night of the week and I would just play them all. And then, so I was doing that and then I started busking and then I was also, can I tell you this weird story? Yeah. So random, but I was at the, working at the poster gallery and somebody came in from the globe to interview the owner of the gallery Uh and I was all a buzz. Like I was so psyched that day because... Wait, I need to just go tell my kids to be quiet. That's <laughs> okay. So I just remembered this, so this is why I'm telling you this story. I was working at the gallery, and I was telling one of my coworkers about the night before. The night before was the Newport Folk Festival. There was a Bob Dylan karaoke contest. Oh, right. So I know, I know the story, but go ahead, tell it. So I was so excited because I came in first place at right. the Bob Dylan karaoke contest, and the next day I was going to go back or something and maybe it wasn't that very next day but it was very soon after and i was still talking about it probably boring everybody about my story it's exciting um but i was psyched anyway the 
the guy who was there to interview the owner of the gallery heard me talking to my coworker about the Bob Dylan thing, and he was like, oh, you're a Bob Dylan fan. Do you want to go see Al Cooper at the House of Blues, uh -huh. like, next week or something? So... Al Cooper played organ on like a Rolling Stone, the Bob Dylan song, and so I went to the show and I think the writer maybe was also interviewing Al Cooper, so like I went backstage and got to meet him and he was like, I hear you're a Bob Dylan fan, and we got to talking and he was like, are you looking for a job by any chance? Because I'm looking for a personal assistant, so really? <laughs> I quit my job at the gallery which was such a great job. I wish I had stayed there. Uh, but I was working for um, for Al Cooper for a little while as wow. his assistant. And then from that, um, I just basically got bored like being his personal assistant. Yeah. And then I quit that job to be a full-time busker. How, so how, crazy looking back, and I can't believe I did those well, things. Well, that's when you, you say yes to things. Horrible choices. <laughs> no, that's not horrible choices. It's what you. It's what but, made you who you are today. But that's uh that was the timeline for those days, and so then yes, I was playing like busking led to indoor shows and touring a little bit. How around. long were you a uh, personal assistant? Oh, less than a year, yeah, like okay. maybe I don't know. Did you travel a lot? He wasn't touring oh. then. He was um, teaching. I think he was still teaching at Berkeley then. So how old were yeah. you at this time? So I was probably twenty. Five ish. Twenty five. And what year? And what year was this? So, uh, I'm not trying to find out. Right. I'm just. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to find out. No, I'm trying the, to remember. This was window. probably 2000, 2001 okay. ish. Yeah. Because um, I'm trying to think of when you know Amanda Palmer. Yeah. Because yep. she was doing that. Um, I don't know what year she was doing that. Because I, I don't think because she used to be. Did you go into Harvard Square? And that's yeah, I did. You, yeah. Because yeah. she do that. Uh, um, the, the the bride. Yeah. That she would do. Well, maybe I do remember seeing her out there. I don't know what years she was there, but my remember. favorite person to see was Mary Lou Lord. Anytime she was out there, I would just sit and watch for like her, the whole time she played. And <laughs> she's so great. And so, so busking was—is that where you got your chops? I don't know. I am still trying to get my chops, but We're it definitely helped chops. a lot. Like the freedom of just you know playing whatever song came to mind. Were you playing your own songs and at the time? I was. I was playing my own songs a little bit, and mostly, and mostly a lot of covers, I think. And what I, what I loved about Mary Lou Lord, and what I think I probably tried to emulate was her approach to it wasn't to be loud. Like she would just quietly s sort of sing really good songs, yeah. just for her own enjoyment. It seemed like, and that drew you to her because you right. always wanted to get closer to be able to hear what she was doing and and I remember reading an interview where she said something like um like you're not trying to get all the people to listen to you you're just trying to get the people who care about good songs to listen to you and so sing the good songs and they'll they'll find you and so she said something like that and I always liked that hey girl in the woods with a knife and a loaf of bread Comes upon a pack of wild, hungry dogs She'll use the knife to cut the bread Making sure they're all fed And maybe save a little for herself Cause it's alright to be gentle And it's alright to be kind And it's alright to be brave scared 
want you to know that I love you more than anything in the world. I want you to know that you're a beautiful girl. And when you were a baby and I held you in my arms, sometimes we'd look out at the stars together. To the moon and back I said, I tell you now so you won't forget. That's interesting. I like that that she sang and played quietly. Yeah, and, and that can tend to get more attention than if you start just blur blurting it out. Yeah, right? and I also remember what. So that was kind of my approach to it too, and and like commenting on things as they were happening in real time. Like it wasn't really a show. Just talking to people into the microphone would get people's attention and sort of an unobtrusive way like I always had this weird like it's so weird when you go down into the subway and that moment when you first turn on your amp it just seems so loud and I'm like I'm a pretty it's so random that I did that like I'm a pretty like quiet reserved shy person and to like turn on the amp on so that people could hear me it was like just a weird thing I don't know why I did that but I really liked it like at the same time it was like I met so many people like the best thing about it was just meeting people through music that way and did you get involved with uh, Passim at all when you were yeah, when you were sure, because I was playing um, that's around the time when Matt Smith started there isn't yeah it? I think so and I was playing the open mic then in those days like the open mic was so active like it would go so late and they were doing rounds of three on like three people on the stage at once Huh. And you'd get one song. Yeah. It was just to like make the turnover a little faster. Yeah. And back then, like people would show up, like Josh Ritter and Mark Arelli, Anais Mitchell, like they were all doing the open mic too. And then it was just like the hang, like in the green room or outside. It's just such a great way to make friends, especially because I was like new to the area. I just have such good memories. Of what was the goal for busking? Was it to were you? Wait, was it just for fun? Was it just for cash? Was it It was a passion? It, it something was you wanted to continue? All of those things. Like it was a way to learn about performing and just to get more comfortable with it. And did someone did someone kind of push you to do it? Say, um, you should bus, go do it. Or did you was that your own decision? I was on my way home from from work one day and I passed Tom Bianchi oh, really? at Park Street and I was I talked to him. I was like, Is this your full time thing? Is this what you do? And he was like, Yeah, this is what I do and he was like, You should try it. So I did. <laughs> and I still we still talk about that. I'm like, it's this is all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's just one little decision. Yep. And and Danielle Moralia, they're married now, but um, I think they were just dating at the time. We got to be friends. I'm sorry, who? Uh, Danielle Moralia. Oh yeah. And we're we're doing a show together You're doing tomorrow, tomorrow night, night, right? Yeah, so I don't know that I had a goal. It probably this it would have been smart smarter probably to have some kind of goal like but I think when you're in your early 20s like yeah. that you have the luxury of that time to yeah. not have everything all planned out because you can't like even if you 
do have a plan, it never is going to go the way yeah, you expect. Uh, well, I mean, that's it doesn't matter if you're yep. 52 like me or, or 24. <laughs> you know, I tell my daughters, I mean, I don't care what you do. Yeah. Just do something. Mm-hmm. And well, it, to have something that you're passionate about, I think, is too. its own gift. And, like, all, whatever, like, looking back, like, maybe it, some of those decisions were a little reckless, but they led to... Um, to the best stories and the best life experiences yeah. that I'm just really grateful to have. Did you ever like backpack across? Oh yeah. I mean, I didn't, I don't know that it was backpacking. I mean, I was in my car, but it was close enough, close enough. Like, um, you hit the road, hit the road by myself a few times. I drove across the country, um, just playing like, and I'm now, I don't know how I even set up those tours because it must've been by email or by phone i remember printing out like map quest maps and like having them in a binder of like even like where am i staying that night to where am i playing and how do i get from there to the next place like pre-phone that's fantastic <laughs> that's fantastic so i did that by myself a few times and also with um, my friend uh, Naomi Summers, we had a little yeah, duo, yeah. and we went went out. Naomi, she was, she was in the band that you had before, right? Um, yeah, we we called her. Our, it was, was like a bluegrass duo called Gray Sky Girls. Gray Sky Girls, yeah. <laughs> That's in my notes that I can't oh, seem yeah. to find right now. We would just play any place for tips that would have us, and it was ridiculous, but it was so fun. Is that what you were living on at the time too? Yeah, I didn't have any other job. Like occasionally, I would spend a few weeks like working for my grandmother I worked at a Starbucks for a while like I would just and I was temping like I would work a few weeks here and there just to supplement so the last album you put out there's a great uh there's a a bunch of stuff written about you and you've won a bunch of awards for it but the the one sentence that really caught my eye was and you told the story before about Mm -hmm. your grandmother's guitar when she passed you you inherited it Mm -hmm. but there's a handprint on the guitar yeah yeah you got to show me to me i'll show you yeah um from when she was just waiting her turn yes so she would have um this is i'm so another thing i'm so grateful for was um when i was growing up my grandmother was a both my grandparents were full-time artists and my grandmother started learning to play guitar when she turned 40 and she just never too late it's never too late and she just kind of fell in with this like group of musicians who lived in the area where was she in connecticut in connecticut and um it's wonderful to learn a new like pick up a new hobby at whatever age and then also to have that lead to a whole new group of friends and like just it's so wonderful i just love that story that she did that like your whole life should be about stuff like that so exactly she had all these musician friends and so as a teenager she invited me to kind of be a part of it like she started teaching me guitar lessons and um i would so i'd go to these music parties at her house with like backyard song circles (laughs) and like everybody's got their guitar out and she was she was pretty shy was she a a hippie was she uh... i don't think she was a hippie she was what kind of art she she was not like of that generation she did um commercial art like she did a bunch of magazine covers and she worked for the new york times and um so she wasn't really a hippie but she was a huge music fan she loved um singer songwriters and was she did she introduce you to dylan she sort of by way of emmy lou harris she had like every single emmy lou harris record so when 
Desire came out, she bought the record because Emily Harris sings on it. Um, so I was just always going through her records, and I was like, oh, what's this one? Who's Bob Dylan? So that was the first Bob Dylan record that uh, I heard. Okay. So yeah, she her handprint is on the guitar from Waiting Her Turn, nervously sweating. That's so great. <laughs> In the song circle. I, I find, like, I have almost every guitar I've ever owned. Yeah. Um, the only guitars that I've gotten rid of are electric, which I don't mm-hmm. play very often. Yeah. Even though I did have an emotional attachment to them, mm-hmm. I had to sell them for, to buy acoustics. I'm all, I'm yeah. all acoustics. I still have my very first acoustic, and mm-hmm. I, I couldn't part with it. What's your, what was your first guitar? My first guitar was a 1971 Yamaha, and um, I played it for years and years and years. <laughs> so when, at what point did the album, the, the last album you came out with in, in September, right? Yeah. Was that September? When did that become a idea? I guess it started taking shape, I don't know, maybe a year and a half or so before it came out. After the one before that, I started writing not long after the previous one came out, and a theme sort of started to emerge that kind of went along with a lot of transitions in my real life. I don't know that there was like an intention to it. It just, I was just kind of finding my way through my life at that time and the songs at the same time, I guess. song and you're going into the studio is it finished is it absolutely finished um i think with those songs they were pretty pretty much done yeah yeah i know oh there was one song that wasn't all the way done i remember it's we were still kind of editing the lyrics the day we recorded it but uh, other than that they were they were done i've yeah. edited lyrics after <laughs> i sang them yeah I, th- I i just always wonder because we, i mean i've only played with a band mm. in in the studio mm-hmm. um, or recorded with my band yeah. and I never had people come in to play on something that yeah. I've done so I imagine it's bringing someone bringing an outs- an outside mm-hmm. musician into the into the song into yeah. the studio with you are you open to changes from them are you open to an idea are you oh yeah you kind of sure. do you give them instruction um, or you just kind of say this is what it is let's see what you got for um how we want to live like we recorded that um in waltham, in waltham right. and sean played bass and so we we did a lot of it kind of live to start with and sean and i've been playing together so he already knew the songs really well and also wrote co-wrote a bunch of the songs and so he they're his songs too oh really so he, he co-wrote some of them yeah okay. sorry it's okay i will and then chris anzalone played drums and 
for both of them, I just trust their musicianship so much that I'm totally open to their ideas. And really, anybody that I would want to record with, I would feel that way about. Yeah. Like, you know, I I feel like I'm my strength is not as a musician. <laughs> like I, but like that's what they do. Like so, they know probably more than I do. Obviously, about their instrument that they play, so they're the expert on that, right. and so they would have way more creative ideas <laughs> um, than I would about what whatever they're recording. So I I totally trust the musicians that are there to bring their own ideas to it. You kind of denigrated your musicianship, <laughs> and I and I would argue against that because I've watched you play the Lizard Lounge gig. I think mm-hmm. was that playing with um, Rose. Polanzani. Oh, were you there for the um, Sub Rosa? Sub Rosa? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yep. I, I think that was the first or second Sub Rosa I've been yeah. to. I've been to a couple of I love of them. those shows. I did yeah. too. We'll have to have them again. I know. I'm I really looking forward, look forward to, to them. them. <laughs> all my favorite people up there. Yep. As a matter of fact, that's when I that's where I met. Um, actually, and I, I met I met Rose. She co-hosted with me when I talked to Chris Delmhorst oh. at Club to See. Where was I going with this? I keep on losing my train of thought. I'm sorry. There are some distractions. There's here. a little distractions, but <laughs> I'm usually to me all day. I'm usually able to focus. <laughs> it was a really good comment too. I was really proud of myself. I oh, think, about your musicianship. Oh. I, I saw you play once live. Then I don't I don't quite mm-hmm. remember it, but I do. I've seen videos of you playing, mm-hmm. and there's a natural rhythm I, th- I see to your to your strumming hand. That's why I can see it. Oh, thanks. Is in a strumming hand. It's the same thing when it, with Sean Colvin. Oh, she's such a great guitar she's player. She's an amazing guitarist. And I remember seeing her for the first time. She has these amazing, beautiful hands. And I just, and, and I'm like, I'm like, Shh, that's, that, you can tell someone who has that kind of, it, the guitar just fits their body and it fits their hands and the way they strum. Mm. Well, uh, I that's do what feel I get that, from you. Like, it, it looks does, natural for you. It feels like home. Like there's something like really comforting to, for me to just play the guitar. But I guess I have like this complex because I I didn't go to Berkeley. Like I learned from my grandmother, and I'm I'm proud of that too because I feel yeah. like it just it's like to support the song, and I don't want the guitar to get in the way of that. And it's just something changed, shifted in my understanding of of like even how to think about it. Where like sometimes you're you can think about it like you're singing along with the guitar versus the guitar is there accompanying your voice interesting it's like just a shift and i just somebody mentioned that to me a few years ago and it really changed like that's stuck with me like so i i want to play like less guitar now and like just let the song breathe a little bit more that's one of the things that i'm like learning about more recently just sitting with the guitar is such a comforting feeling like for anybody who plays it well i can i can see it that i think that's that's a good way to say it because i I, you look comfortable when you're playing that's really interesting what you say so how do you how do you have less guitar and more voice like what is so i guess it's like if you go to you sing too, right? Like, I well, people would argue. <laughs> well, like you start to sing the song, and like, what if you just like wait as long as possible before you play the guitar? Like, when does that really need to come in? Like, it's just not that you have to perform it that way, but like, I'm I'm also like pretty insecure about myself as a singer. Like, really? I don't feel like I'm you a good singer. You have a beautiful singer, voice, but and I'm not fishing for compliments. Yes, but, you like, are. Um, <laughs> I don't think of myself as like a real air quote singer. I so I was like working with somebody on it. Like the thought of just standing and singing without holding the guitar is like 
really terrifying. To it me. is. Have you ever, um, have you done it? I have a little bit, and I'm it's actually a so little bit awkward. more comfortable than I have been in the past. But like just standing there holding the guitar and like just waiting, just you just start singing the song and then like wait to strum. If I want to bring some dynamics into it, like maybe it's it can't be strumming the whole time at the same volume. Maybe there's like a break, a pause, or I appreciate the simplicity of like a, so- a co- song that has like four chords in it or three chords. In yeah. It. Like, and as far as your voice is concerned, and this is something that people have said to me about mm-hmm. my range and that I tend to write songs that are out of my yeah. range that way too high oh or even worse way too low uh-huh there's that sweet spot for my voice that I'm only kind of now discovering and you seem to be there you seem to be you're kind of on a lower end I don't mm-hmm. hear you getting really a high up there do you ever sing that high up I there? sometimes do but it's a little bit less comfortable for me but I I mean I I can sing high, but it doesn't sound like me yeah. somehow. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you. I mean, you definitely have that. It's a very calming singing voice oh, when you when you hear it. This is all compliment. This Thank is like, you. No, no, we don't <laughs> we don't diss our guests before when we have them on. Are you comfortable with your voice? I am more comfortable with it now, and I guess like I just I'm as we're talking about it. I I'm just thinking about like. All right, so if I don't think of myself as a particularly great like singer or guitar player, like why am I doing this? <laughs> and I think it's so important like for any artist to like always come back to the why, like why why bother? Like nobody's forcing you to do it. Yeah. You, it's um, it's just my love for songwriting and just the world of songs. Like I it's so um, so appealing to me and I'm just such a fan of it that I want to be a part of it in some small way so I think that kind of that's a motivation enough to like get past whatever like insecurities or shyness yeah do you like rules in your song in your songwriting um I love the idea of like a constraint of a form in some way so like we're only going to use these three chords or we're only going to have this many verses or whatever it is like I think it's a good way to tell a story like all right, you can tell a story but you only have three minutes or three and a half minutes and it has to rhyme sometimes <laughs> <laughs> it's like a puzzle well you've done the um the songwriting camp you've have you done that I have that? not you no, haven't no <clears throat> I've always wondered what that's going to be like yeah I, I'd, I'd it'll be very, come back it'll come yeah back. I'm sure it's going to yeah. be back it'll be back I love I love that idea of the song camp, and I always thought like it'd be great to just be able to spend a week or however long it is. It's a monarch butterfly. It would be so great to have that time just to know like I'm here for writing for however many days it is. Um, but there's also like I think the benefit of if we're talking about constraint, like time constraint, like I have after the kids go to bed till I go to bed. Like, that's a constraint. Right. Like, yeah. you know, after bedtime hours for songwriting. Are you um, diligent? No. Writing every day? No, not at all. <laughs> I haven't been, especially in all this. But um, there are phases that I go through where I am more disciplined about it. Yeah. Um, Honestly, this is, I think This is fine. not one of those times. No, I think, it, I think it's fine. But, I mean... I, you know, you hear about those people who say, like, I make sure I sit down. I don't think you have to do it every and day. And if that's what works, you're great. you have to also just be in your life. Yeah, and so sometimes that means having that time, and other times it just means just being where you are yeah. in your life. But it's also, I do think, like, just the idea of being part of a community is so important. Like, just whether you're in the same room or not, just ha- 
having people to share songs with yeah. and just send ideas back and forth is really helpful. And just not even songs, just like just regular day to day stuff. Yeah. Like what's going on in your life? Like how does music? How's you know everything else going? And then music is just a part of it. Well, it, it, this brings me to I mean, we've been talking for over an hour, if you can believe it. Um, <laughs> You're gonna edit this, right? <laughs> yeah, we we edit everything <laughs> okay. down. Yeah. But you know, I might keep a lot of this. You know, mm -hmm. you never know. I don't. I don't have any rules, uh, as, you, as I mentioned. You know, one of the things that I I've noticed in Boston is the community, and the most the, the community that I'm most familiar with is the folk community. Mm -hmm. It's it is really amazing. It's it an amazing really community. Really, something special. And and you know, and the 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 women musicians and songwriters are unbelievable. The the community of women's folk and songwriters in Boston is really amazing it's, it's there's a lot of women yeah and i think it's yeah. oh, awesome so that must be really great to have that kind of community around it boston. is i'm so glad i found my way to boston like it's just it just feels like the right place to be for what i'm drawn to in music like i couldn't imagine being in like la or nashville or i don't know i just well, yeah. i really love what boston has i think happening. i think it's it's small enough that mm -hmm. you can do it it's towny enough. It's mm -hmm. like more of a town than like yeah. a real city. Yep. That it's easy to run, keep on running into these people. Yeah. On the other side of that is also not great because that just means we don't have enough venues, and you're all going to the same venue. That's true. So <laughs> That's you want to have more venues, but yep. on the bright, we'll look on the bright side. Of yeah. It, is that you are? I'm meeting so many amazing musicians, mm -hmm. and and they're all great people too. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. Too many assholes around here. Mm -hmm. I really don't. It's true. Uh, maybe I'm just not hanging around enough. <laughs> enough but but it's a, it's a great scene. It is. And I, I, you know, going back to what that guy wrote, I'm sorry. I think it's just <laughs> we're almost done. Your your kids have been great. I really it doesn't bother me at all. It seriously doesn't. Why don't we Why don't we um, Why don't we stop there? Okay. Could you play us a song? Sure. I got the Honda 125 running. Took the back roads to the store It's about 35 degrees But it sure feels good Not to be walking no more I got some milk and bread and bologna Some little Debbies and some Mountain Dew Sometime when I ain't got the groceries Gonna see what this thing do Little victory they're all right with me These days that's all I need I got an old F-250 4x4 It's needing a new rear end I sold some hides and I sold some wood Saving up to get it going again And I can start hauling these timbers And sell them down at the mine here they're bringing a few bucks a piece Things are looking better all the time Little victories They're all right with me These days that's all I The country is going through hard times, but I ain't feeling it none. We're all just trying to make it through one more day when it's all said and done.
I got a deer and a half in the freezer I got wheels and plenty of wood And I know I ain't setting the world on fire But I think I got it pretty good Little victories They're alright with me These days that's all I need That's all I need. That's great. <laughs> you do? I'm going to play um, Pockets Full of Size. Pockets Full of Size. Can you hear this okay? Um, yeah. You could play a little louder, but don't have a worry about it. It's really soft. <laughs> awesome. Sunrise, sunset. I got a feeling of something good that hasn't happened yet. A little bird flapping in my chest. Been there for days. Never seems to rest I am a long way from home I got pockets full of sighs And silent moans I don't need a souvenir I can picture it so clear Doesn't even have to be real I just want to miss you when I part of the flame I get a fever every time I hear your name a little light flickering in my brain and I think what's the harm in dreaming I am a long way from home I got pockets full of sighs in silent moans, I don't need a souvenir I can picture it so clear Doesn't even have to be real I just want to miss you when I go Silent moans, I don't need a souvenir. 
I can picture it so clear Doesn't even have to be real I just wanna miss you when I go Nice. Thanks. You know, it actually sounds. I love the children's voices in the background <laughs> while you're doing it. I think it's great. Thanks. I love that. We would like to thank Lisa Bastoni for inviting us into her home and for sitting with us. You can learn more about Lisa and purchase her music at lisabastoni.com. Go to AboveTheBasement.com where you can sign up for our newsletter, listen and subscribe to our podcast, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and look at all the nice pictures we post on Instagram. We are everywhere. From all of us at Above the Basement, thank you for listening. Tell your friends, wear a mask, and remember, Boston music, like its history, is unique. <laughs>